This is a spoiler warning, you insignificant worms. So take heed, for I am Baalzaman, heart of the dark. The lowly mortal who creates this content has read the series cover to cover, book to book, many, many times. He will be discussing everything he can think of, irrelevant, relevant, regardless. So... Take heed of my warning. If you have not read the series all the way through and spoil something for yourself, well, who is to blame, listener? Not I. Not I. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Gleeman Radio, your daily dose for the Wheel of Time. And it's finally come. We're starting our third week. Wow. We're back with Return to the Wheel of Time, Episode 11, as we discuss the Eye of the Worlds, Chapter 10, Leave Taking. I kind of hope you like the new opening song. Uh, I figured after two weeks it'd be cool to kind of switch it up a little bit and maybe try to slightly match it to, like, what's going on. I have, like, a like a harder tone one for, like, when things get serious a little later. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but this is a lot of fun, so... Uh, before we get into the chapter, which I also like to call the origin of the original Fellowship of the Dragon, you know, all they're, all they're short of is, uh, Nynaeve, uh, maybe Elaine, you know, uh, but, you know, that original kind of group completely supporting Rand, uh, and, uh, b- before we get into the chapter, maybe we should discuss what happened the last time. Um, <laughs> it was three kind of parts. Uh, first we had, uh, Rand's first dream sequence with Balsamon, uh, and he was like, well, no wonder I had bad dreams, because I had a horrible night, and no food, and no rest, and Trollocs, I mean, and I said die, and all she was talking about, no wonder I had nightmares. Not, not in denial at all, I mean, <sighs> I, I... We're going to give him an excuse because this was the first one. All right. But Moraine did say... Oh, thanks, Cat, for walking all over my computer. Huh. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. She's being very pushy today. Um, yeah. Rand had his first dream, the first of many, ignoring it completely, even though, you know... Moraine did say bad dreams. Let me know. Whatever. Whatever. Right? Uh, <laughs> next, uh, he had this really heartbreaking goodbye uh, with his father. It was really touching. It was really nice. Tam only cared that Rand was better. Um, and that he really does plan on following Rand, you know, when he can. And we learned that that was true. Rand, uh, Tam and Abel uh, went to Tarvalin to find out about their son. So that was kind of cool. And then we leave off on Moraine telling this beautiful rendition of the tragedy of Manetherin. And I feel like I kind of dropped the ball here. Um, like I said, I got so into the story, even though I'd heard it so many times that I didn't take notes, and I said I was going to listen to it again, but time kept slipping by, and it took four hours to upload that video. <laughs> oh, God, but uh, uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I really feel like I let you down there, uh, that I petered out. That, that was really kind of sloppy ending, and I do apologize for that. I do plan on 
uh, picking up the quality here and working a little bit harder because if I want people to listen, it has to be something I'll listen to. And I would get a little bit frustrated with that sloppy ending. Maybe I'm overreacting. Uh, I don't know. So, yeah, well, that's what happened last time. Let's just move on. Let's hope this one isn't over an hour or two. I'm trying to keep them more like 45 minutes to me is good. You know, I'm covering one chapter, okay? I was listening to the Dragon Reread the other day, and it was chapters one through four of The Lord of Chaos. Dra the Dragon Reread is a fantastic Wheel of Time podcast, by the way. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, and you're listening to this one, and you're like, this is okay, go over to the Dragon Reread. They're up to Lord of Chaos right now. It's Never-ending interruptions, but it's very, very good, and their chapters 1 through 4 was about 45 minutes, and I'm sitting here covering one chapter in an hour. <laughs> it's, uh, whoo, okay. So, yeah, without further ado, let's just jump right into the chapter breakdown and talk about it, huh? Dragkar. Egwene and the other two rivers folk stared at the sky nervously in all directions, but the gleeman groaned softly. Yes, Moraine said. It is too much to hope otherwise. And if the Murdral has a drag car at his command, then he will soon know where we are if he does not already. We must move more quickly than we can cross country. We may still reach Tarn Ferry ahead of the Murdral, and he and his Trollocs will not cross as easily as we. A drag car? Egwene said. What is it? It was Tom Marilyn who answered her hoarsely. In the war that ended the Age of Legends... Worse than Trollocs and Halfmen were created. Moraine's head jerked toward him as he spoke. Not even the dark could hide the sharpness of her look. Before anyone could ask the Gleeman for more, Land began giving directions. We take to the North Road now. For your lives, follow my lead, keep up and keep together. He wheeled his horse about, and the others galloped wordlessly after him. Alrighty then, so uh, that clip itself I really liked, uh, but what's funny is it's like the last solid minute of the chapter. It's almost pushing it for how big I want these clips to be. I don't want to get in any trouble for putting them in here, because I'm hoping to monetize these at some point. I mean, uh, at least audio versions. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm just enjoying making these, and that clip seemed fun, and I didn't know how to cut it down without, like, taking parts away. I mean, I, I kind of looked into it, and I was like, well, there's only, like, a few pieces I would cut, and it would take away from the clip as a whole. I don't know. <laughs> so I left it in. I like it. Uh, I hope you did too. It's the first clip describing Drakkar. So, uh, but without further ado, let's just jump into the chapter, uh, which begins with Rand and Matt following the warder into the stable yard, and that's where we see Perrin. Perrin's back, everybody. That's pretty great. He's uh, sitting down, and he kind of, like, jumps up at the side of them, and he's in this super thick, heavy cloak. And you're like, well, why's he got a heavy cloak? Because he's hiding something big and silver at his waist, and he doesn't want Matt to tease him. Like, we know he will. <laughs> uh, so Lan comes in, and he's like, did you look the way I told you, blacksmith? And Perrin's just like, yeah, I, I looked around. I don't, I don't know what you were trying to get me to look for. Perrin felt like there was no real need to be super cautious. This is Mr. Alvere's barn, you know what I mean? Like, stable yard. There's nothing to worry about with Mr. Alvere, Master Alvere, whatever. Um, so he doesn't look 
the way he said he was going to, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I looked, I don't, yeah, nothing, nothing here, no problems at all. There's definitely not going to be two people hopping out of nowhere and getting me in trouble. <laughs> you know, he's like, why? I mean, we're in Mr. Master Alvear's stable. We're good, right? Like, what, what, what was I supposed to be worrying about? And this is where we get the first of, like, three really badass landlines in this chapter. And he's like, care and a long life go together, blacksmith. <laughs> it's just good. Tell me you guys won't be quoting that later. Like, like uh, care and a good life go together, blacksmith. I don't know. I actually did quote that the other day. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, so yeah, Rand's looking around, and he notices there's more horses before than before. Uh, there's, uh, Land's, you know, big black stallion Mandarb, he doesn't know the name yet. We got Moraine's, uh, soft-footed, not soft-footed, uh, swift-legged, I don't know, uh, Moraine's beautiful mare, <laughs> Aldeeb. Uh, and then there's a couple new horses that seem kind of be like really good horses for the two rivers. Uh, and he's like, oh, wow, we got more horses. Uh, they must have been expensive and bought at the last minute. That's a, <laughs> you kind of wonder how much money, uh, Moraine and Lance threw around in this first book. Cause they're, they, they really do tossed around a lot. They're giving it away to village kids, right? And then, uh, eventually there's going to be a, fairy that needs to be taken care of and then there's going to be an inn that needs to be taken care of and then you know what i mean she's tossing around a lot of money lady or not ice die or not she's gonna have to like justify some of these expenditures isn't she <laughs> uh yeah so more ho horses than before uh land's kind of looking around and he's like oh, there's no time to do a better inspection i'm sure the blacksmith didn't do well enough but no time and he goes and <laughs> I like this description. He starts uh, uh, saddling and maintaining all the horses hastily, but with care. How how do you hastily do something, but with care? I mean, uh, that's 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 a little bit contradictory, doesn't it? Doesn't hasty mean you're rushing? Therefore, you might not be doing the best job. I I, I mean, it could be that he's just simply so proficient that, you know, he can do this in his sleep, and he's doing it quickly and efficiently, but hastily just shouldn't have been the word used there if that's the case. It's just a little odd to me. I don't know. Um, yeah, I've only gone horseback riding once uh, in Montana. Uh, it was a family thing, I think, during a reunion, uh, and it was kind of, it was fine, but, like, you know, there was a lot of straps. Me, personally, I would be like, oh, what? H how do I do this? I'd be that guy that saddled the horse myself. I could do it! And then I get on, and we start riding, and maybe we have to ride a little quicker, and then the saddle slides sideways, and it's kind of like uh, men in tights, and I'm bouncing underneath the horse with my head on the ground. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't have a high opinion of myself in those situations. Uh... Uh, Matt notices Rand's sword, and he starts joking about it. He's like, hey, you becoming a warder? And then he sees Land, and he's like, oh, or a merchant's card? <laughs> oh, I see, an honest man's weapon isn't good enough for you. And he's, you know, showing his bow and quiver. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this kind of shows the boy's age, because... Uh, uh, after hearing this, Rand thinks about pulling the sword out with a flourish to, Rand, to Matt. <laughs> you know, like kind of all of us would. Just, shing, oh yeah, I got a sword. Isn't it awesome? Don't you wish you had a sword, Matt? 
Yeah, but again, he sees Lan and he's like, oh, I'm not going to screw around. <laughs> Lan is the MVP for, like, the rest of this whole book. Uh, not the whole book. Uh, up until a certain decision has to be made while being faced by uh, evil men not seen in this world for 3,000 years. But up until that point, Lan is MVP of this book. Uh, I love how when Matt is teasing per uh, Rand about the sword, Perrin kind of shifts awkwardly. He's like, well, what's wrong with the sword? And that's when we kind of notice he's trying to re re uh, recover his side with the cloak. And Matt's like, whoa, what is that, buddy? And Perrin's got this huge half-moon battle axe with a spike on the top. And Matt's just like, oh, yeah, look at that. Wow. And, uh, you know, uh, how did you get that, by the way? And, uh, you know, Perrin goes into this little story of a merchant's guard wanted to buy it, but he wouldn't pay what he promised. And Luhan doesn't take no shit. So Luhan's like, I'm not giving it to you. You're not going to give me half of what I asked for. Screw you. I'm a proud Two Rivers man. Go on about your business. And, you know, even a kind of typically scary merchant's guard would be a little bit wary around Master Luhan, right? Uh, so he's like, there's nothing to do with it. I can't reforge it into, into anything. So he kind of puts it aside. And Perrin's like, he gave it to me when he found out I was <clears throat> practicing with it. And Matt's like, practicing for reals? And Perrin gives him a warning look. And he's like, whoa, whoa, buddy. Look, yeah, get it. Practicing. Cool. I mean, at least one of us knows how to use a real weapon. <laughs> oh, man. Now here I think I should cover something for a second. We're not going to really get to know Matt in the greatest way until book three. Uh, he's kind of, he has his ups and downs here in the first two books. Um, I mean, like, this is the closest we get to knowing who Matt was before. And uh, a lot of people think he's become a completely different person later, and I don't really think that's quite true. We see... In these boys and in their parents or mentors, we see in Master Luhan and the way he solves problems being a hell of a lot how Perrin solves problems. We see how Tan solves things. It's kind of like how Rand does, or at least how he does until he has to go full-on tyrant as the Dragon Reborn, right? And Matt, you know, we don't really see him in Abel much because we don't see Abel until book four. But tell me you don't see Bashir and go, oh... Oh, maybe that was what Matt would look like when he's in his 40s and 50s, you know? Uh, very uh, eccentric, but at the same time brilliant, playful, but can be serious at times. I think Matt here, where he's teasing his friends, he's like, well, this isn't much like the stories, right? Where he's nervous and he's cracking jokes. This is because, well, Matt is a trickster out of boredom. There's not really anything else for him to do. His responsibilities are his chores, not really anything beyond that. And we've also learned he does those too. You know, he's like, oh, it's like milking my dad's every day. Well, I do milk my dad's cows, guys. Come on, why don't you believe me? He does do work. It's just he's had no reason to kind of become more. So you see this guy and you're like, okay, add a bit of confidence, but not too much cockiness, just a little bit. All right, add a bit of serious when needed and uh, give him some battle tactics, and yeah, that's Matt. I don't think he really does become a totally different person. I just think that, well, he's unpolished at this point. 
You know, he's going to leave the two rivers and he's going to discover who he really is. And he's going to go through certain things that kind of do change him a bit. But I think it changes the way he goes about things, not who he is personally. I just wanted to get that out because we're really not going to have a lot of Matt, you know? He doesn't get that POV chapter until he wakes up after being healed from the dagger. So, And once he gets the dagger, he kind of starts being a bit of an asshole for the most part, you know? He's still pretty good with Rand, you know, even almost up to the end. So, I don't want to go too off topic here. Uh, but yeah, so Matt was like, aha, at least someone knows how to use a real weapon. And that's where Land comes in, being the MVP again. He's like, that bow is a real weapon. So are those slings you children use to hunt with. Just because you've never used it for anything other than hunting or playing doesn't mean it can't be used for more. And then that's when we get Land's badass line number two of the chapter, Anything can be used as a weapon, if the man or woman holding it has the nerve and makes it so. Lan is just so cool. <laughs> Come on. Lan is great here. Uh, and he's like, keep that in mind if you want to survive the journey alive. It's going to be rough, it's going to be long, and it's going to be dangerous. Lan is cool. Lan is cool. And this kind of has the boys kind of go silent, you know? Because they're trying to not be afraid. So that's why they're kind of boasting and joking, uh, you know? And and this just kind of makes it crash home. We're leaving. I don't. None of us really want to leave. We all fantasized about it. But this is not how I wanted it to happen, if it ever did. Uh, and Matt's like, this is really not much like the stories. I, I wish it was better. And Perrin's like, I don't know. It sounds like the stories to me being chased by Trollocs and led by an Aes Sedai, and Matt's like, an Aes Sedai in the two rivers, man. Wow. I, it's just, wow. And and uh, they're like, do you believe her about all this? I don't, I don't know what to think. And Rand's like, I don't know, man. But I asked the mayor, and he seemed pretty sure, you know. It really was just Perrin and my farms attacked, and then the forge and Luhan's house, and then your ha dad's house, Matt. And they're all just, what? Wait, you asked the mayor? And he's like, well, I wasn't, I wasn't, like, revealing anything. She's like, she said not to tell anybody, dude. Nobody. And he's like, you didn't want to cover your bases you didn't want to say goodbye you didn't you didn't say goodbye to the Luhans or your families or your da and and they're like she said not to tell nobody I'm not disobeying an Aes Sedai she said leave notes I left a note okay uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry uh, she said leave a note we left a note we are not crossing this woman <laughs> And Rand, uh, Matt's like, Rand, dude, you don't get it. My mom thinks Tarvalin is the next thing to Shale Ghoul. She would, like, lock me in the cellar if I tried to go. And I'm sitting there going, dude, your sisters are going to be gonna be on their way soon. So either you're exaggerating, you're wrong, or Moraine slash Varen slash Alana kind of helped alleviate her worries. I don't. 
I don't know. Uh, yeah, Perrin going going on about it too. He's like, you know how stubborn Master now, uh, Master Luhan is. Uh, like he wouldn't really be up for this. And Ma Mistress Luhan is worse. You should have seen her, Rand. She's hoping some Trollocs are still around so she can give him a piece of her mind. <laughs> I love it. Uh. You know, you're like, if an Aes Sedai doesn't know what to do about this situation, who does? Like, we don't really have a choice but to obey her, Rand. And Rand's like, ah, yeah, I guess that's I guess that's true. At least my dad agrees. Uh, he does say we have to go. And that's when Moraine shows up. And she's just like, you told your father about this journey, huh? <laughs> and Rand's like, yeah, I, I had to tell my father. Uh... <laughs> And uh, she looks at the other two boys, and she's like, Did you also disobey what I told you? Did you also think a note wasn't good enough? And they're like, No, no, Moraine Sedai, no, no, no. We did exactly what you told us to. No problems at all. We are behaving ourselves. We didn't tell no one. We left notes just like you asked. Don't only be mad at Rand. Rand's the idiot, not us. <laughs> They're throwing him under the bus, man. It was great. Uh, and she kind of waves them to silence and gives Rand a sharp look because, again, there's like there's alludings later in the book that I remember, and we'll talk about it more fully when we get there. But there is points where Moraine's like, the bo the bo you three should have been willing to step in line whatever I said, but from the very beginning, you went your own way. Uh, and I don't think she used some kind of compulsion, but I don't know what she might have done. I don't know, because we kind of see that later, you know? You can't compel a man that can channel through a water bond to do what you want. Maybe this is something like that. Maybe she's suggesting with the power and only kind of a strong will or, like, a honest to God, like, through the very soul denial of the order can stop it, right? Like, it's not forcing anybody. They do have a choice, but usually they're going to do what being told. And Rand's, like, inner power may be interfering with that. Uh, or his Two Rivers blood. <laughs> or his Aiel blood. Uh, who knows? <laughs> uh, uh, so Land's like, well, it's time to go... Uh, we met her, might as well get off sooner or later, and Egwene just pops up, not without me! <laughs> oh, that was loud, I hope that's not bad on the microphone, but goodness. Uh, Lan is startled, he starts to unsheathe his sword, and then he sees who it is, and he's like, god damn it, and he slams the sword back into his sheath. And, uh, Rand almost falls over in shock. And what do Matt and Perrin do? They just turn to Moraine and start babbling like, I swear we didn't tell her. I swear. <laughs> we didn't do, we didn't do anything. But Moraine is ignoring them and just and uh, staring at Egwene, who's just like standing there straight backed, her chin held high. She's defiant. She's like, nah, I'm coming too. This is not gonna happen. You are not leaving without me. She's like, I have everything I need on me. I have Food, I have water, I have clothes. No, I am coming. I won't be left behind. I won't. Uh, and how do we put Egwene here? Is it really just wanting to see the world? Is it Taviran pulling? Because let's be honest, if Egwene didn't leave with them, 
things might not have gone well. Uh, not well at all. Egwene has, like, a huge impact on the story overall. And her most, of course, be bringing the majority of the Aes Sedai to at least, if not being, you know, open arms with Rand, at least being, like, we can rub shoulders and get things done together, you know? And Sawan would have tried to control him, and Elida would have tried to leash him. It's just, Egwene is the best opposite and i love how maybe the reason robert jordan put them in a pairing right here maybe the reason they are in a relationship is because well they are suited for each other in a way they are opposites but united they both become the leaders of the corresponding power Egwene becomes the amerlin and rand is loose there and he brings back the male channelers. He turns them into the Ashaman, the guardians of the people. And while Mazram Tain may have been in charge, and later, obviously, and hopefully Loghain, um, he is technically, you know, the leader, if not the one giving every order. You know what I mean? He created them. They're, they're opposites. You know, it's the, the Flame of Tarvalin and the Dragon's Fang back to its pure form. Not evil, not bad luck, not anything like that, but the two sides of the One Power finally becoming balanced. They're both leaders. I don't know. I'm babbling now, but I've never thought about it until this reread, that maybe that's why they were paired off, even though they obviously weren't great for each other. Maybe it was because, well, they're two sides of the same coin. Saeed and Sadar. I, I've never thought about it before, and I like it. So, I babbled. <laughs> uh, I need to find where I was. Yeah. So, the boys try convincing her that this is really dangerous. Uh, the Trollocs are after us, Egwene. This is not no trip for fun. We aren't sightseeing. This isn't going to be a picnic in the woods. We're running for our lives and going somewhere to be safe. If we had our own options... We wouldn't really be leaving. And just the queen's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, buddies. I've seen you looking over my father's map just as much as me. I've seen you all dream. I should have been, I shouldn't be surprised to see you, Rand, after all your talks about dreams just being dreams. But since Matt and Perrin are here, of course you are. And Rand's just like, dude, I mean, I, I, I swear, I swear, like, we don't want to go. This is not a game. She's like, I'm going. Like, deal with it. And Moraine's just like, wait a second. How did you know? Does anyone else know? Is this going to be a problem? And and, and she kind of loses her obstinates towards a, a Moraine. You know what I mean? She's like, no, I was just paying attention. I saw Matt scurrying around trying not to be noticed. He's really not that great at it. Yet. Okay. Okay. He's not great at it yet, and we also know that Egwene is actually really observant, so he might be better at it than we think, and just she notices. Um, Perrin was trying to hide this this huge axe under his belt while trying to sneak off, too. It was ridiculous. I noticed Lan buying a horse, and if he bought one horse, he kind of bought other horses, and I'm sitting here going, clever girl. Very clever. Um... I mean, at least you spotted things at the right time for your own convenience. Ha! 
Uh, you notice two Taviran, you know, when no one else did, you know, I, it, it's either down to her observation or that she was meant to be drawn attention, you know? Maybe she walked away trying to hide from Matt or Perrin and bumped into, uh, almost bumped into Lan, because Lan didn't notice her either, which is impressive. Uh, I think Lan would have noted if someone watched him buying the horses, don't you think? Um, yeah, so Maureen's like, enough, silence, anybody else notice this? And she's like, no, everybody else is focused on the attack, on focusing, make sure it doesn't happen again. On focusing that everyone's okay. Like, unless it's shoved right under their nose, no one else is going to notice. Okay, never mind. Maybe this isn't her being clever. Maybe it's being shoved under her nose. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. So she's like, I told no one. No one. And Moraine's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Sweet. You can come if you want. Because, <laughs> you know, Moraine kind of wanted to take her. But, like, it would have been risky. I mean, I never really thought about it before, but I'm starting to think she really is abducting these kids. The old, they may all be 19, but, like, Egwene is, like, 17. And in the two rivers, 19 really doesn't mean, you know, they're considered grown men yet. Like, you learn later when Perrin comes back and receives a, a thimble of brandy that last time he would have been given well-watered wine. So... You know, the age ranges are a little bit different here. Just because you're 19 doesn't mean you're out on your own, doing your own thing like in our culture. You know, they're more like maybe, you know, upper teenagers, uh, mentally wise, you know, just from what they had to deal with. But yeah, she's like, you got, you can come, you can come. Moraine's got a prize for the tower, you know what I mean? Egwene is the most powerful potential channeler, you know, since Cadswane. Uh, I, I get a little confused because I look at the, the rating charts, and why does Katsuane above Egwene? Is Katsuane actually more powerful than Egwene? That, that, because uh, they say the most powerful in a hundred years, uh, no, like a thousand years, right? But, but it says Katsuane's more powerful, I'm just so confused about that. But regardless, she's got her bragging rights, you know, she's got to be thinking, that'll light up Oh, I hate her so much. And she's always talking about bringing Elaine Dracon to us. That she's going to be so amazing. Ha <laughs> ha, wait till they see a queen. Oh, and I can tell them about Nynaeve and about all the other girls. <laughs> she's like, yes. Screw, like, screw you, Elida. Screw you. This is going to be great. <laughs> uh, bragging rights, man. Uh, but Land actually shows some emotion. It's like a flicker of the eyes, but we all know what that means for Land. And then suddenly he gets all angry. No, Moraine! And she's like, no, it's part of the pattern. And he's like, that's ridiculous! There is no reason for her to come, and every reason for her not to come. No! And she's like, yes, there is. It's part of the pattern, Land. Shut up so I can show off Elida. <laughs> Uh, it's like, all right, we gotta go. We won't be safe until we get to Tarvalin, so we might as well get to damn Tarvalin. Lan is getting upset. And, uh, <laughs> Egwene is, uh, she's stubborn. And Rand's like, shit, there's no way around this now. There's no way around this now. I know how she is. I know that, like, way she's standing, that posture. She's digging in her heels, and nothing's gonna stop it. 
And uh, Moraine's like, if we leave her behind, she might warn the village. And Gwen's like, I wouldn't do that. And I'm sitting here going, I'm not so sure about that, Egwene. You are one of the most stubborn female characters in the entire series. And I can't see you running off to tattle, but I see it more like if Lan doesn't tie you hand and foot, you're going to follow anyways, and Rand knows that. So Lan is not exceptionally happy about this. He's kind of frustrated. He's <laughs> another person to guide, not a fighter. I don't know why Moraine wants her. Oh, crap, is she a channeler? Oh, bragging rights or something, I don't know. It's inference, guys, that's not in the chapter, but, like, <laughs> Lance just like, ah, fine, she can ride the Gleeman's horse, I guess. I'll leave enough money for him to buy a new one when he leaves. Whatever, okay? Let's just go. We gotta go now. And Tam's, uh, Tom, like, pops out of the top, and he's like, that's not possible. Uh, I'm coming with you. <laughs> Tam's sword flies out of his sheath again. Tam's sword. God damn it. Land's sword flies out of his sheath again. And uh, this time it stays out. Yeah, remember, Land doesn't trust or like Tom yet. He's like, this guy's a little bit too much of a know-it-all. He bothers me. Probably the whole Game of Houses thing. I think Land Land is actually not ignorant at all in politics. He can probably tell this this old man is very crafty and his job is to protect like what five people now? Three, four, uh with yeah, 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 five people including Moraine. If this happens, six, he's like, "Come on." Uh and Tom Tom's got all this stuff. He's got his harp, he's got his flute, you know, he's got his cloak, he's got everything. And he's he's all ready to go. And he's like this town doesn't need me anymore, you know? They don't want songs and stories now. They they want to rebuild. And after last night, I definitely do not oppose to traveling alone. And Land glares at Perrin, and Perrin's like, I didn't think about checking the loft. Again, Perrin, if you had the super smeller, this wouldn't have been an issue. Okay, quit ignoring the wolves. No, he's not ignoring wolves yet. But, you know, there are a lot of wolves about. I'm just saying, unless they're the Trollocs killing people, there are wolves all about. Maybe they're actually are trying to get closer to Perrin already without really knowing it. Uh, we don't know because we don't really talk to any Two Rivers wolves because by the time we get back, they're, like, all dead. It's really sad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh... So Lan's like, is this part of the pattern too, Moraine? <laughs> like he's like, come on, let me kill this one. He is not to be trusted. Uh, but no, don't kill Tom. Tom's the best. Uh, he's your replacement, Lan. <laughs> like, you you you're gonna get Nynaeve, and then Tom's gonna be back with Moraine. It, it'll be great. Don't kill him yet. Um, and uh, but Tom insists on traveling with them. Uh, he's like, you know, I put many a thought over a mug of ale about how I want to end my days, and in a trollic cook pot was never one of the options. So traveling with a nice guy and a warder, yeah, I'm, th that's what I'm going to do until I know I'm away from him. <laughs> uh, Tom's smart, because he's not looking at Lan. He's not explaining himself to Lan. He's explaining himself to Moraine, because he knows, you know what I mean? And then, he, uh, you know, once he thinks he's kind of got Moraine, you know, 
he, he's, he's made his point. He walks right up, and he kind of glances at Lan, and he's like, Put that away! I'm no cheese for slicing! I love Tom. That's probably Tom's best line in the, in the, in the chapter, man. Uh, but Morin's like, Are you sure? Our journey will be swift, and at night... And very likely dangerous. And Tom's just like, if it's safe enough for the girl, it has to be good enough for me. Besides, what Gleeman would not go through a little danger for the chance of performing a Torvalen? Which we know is bullshit, because Tom never really wants to go to Torvalen. But at this point, he's already declaring, I'll travel with you all the way to Tarvalin, because he's trying to give himself enough time to hang out with the boys, see if they need his help, you know, all this stuff. Um, also, Moraine's a fine woman who can tell one hell of a story, so he's got to gotta check her out a little bit more, too, you know? Um, <laughs> uh, so, Moraine nods. All right, you can come. And, uh... <laughs> Lan sheathes his sword, and Rand suddenly wonders what might have happened if Moraine never gave that nod. I'll tell you what, have, what, what would have happened. The world would have been over, okay? After Shadar Logoth, if we did not have Tom, Lan, I mean, uh, Lan, again, Tam, Lan, Rand, Tom, Tam, come on, guys, this is, <laughs> I cannot wait until these characters are slightly spread apart. So I don't keep saying the wrong name. It's getting very frustrating. Probably for you guys, too. I am sorry. Um, yeah, so what would have happened if she didn't nod to Tom? Tom would be dead, and Tom would not have been able to save Rand and Matt. He would not have been able to help out Egwene, Elaine, and Nynaeve, you know, uh, uh, Nynaeve and Elaine and Tanchico. He wouldn't have been there to save Moraine from the Aelfin and Eelfin. You get what I mean? Like, this would have been a huge problem in the pattern, man. Huge. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy Tom lived because he's one of my favorite characters in the entire series. Uh, so, yeah, everything's happening. And suddenly it's like, great, now we need another horse. I suppose I can go buy one. It's going to take more time. And Rand's like, Bella! He's like, what? Bella! He knows Egwene's not going to back down. So all that was left to do was help. Bella is strong. She's not as big or as fast, but she can hold herself. I ride her sometimes. Uh, she's all we got. And Lan kind of looks in at Bella, and he's like, better than nothing. Better than nothing? This is like the one time, Lan, you are wrong. Okay, besides, besides almost killing Tom, okay? Bella is like the most famous awesome horse in the entire series, and I'm pretty sure everyone listening agrees with me, okay? Never talk down to Bella again. Never, Lan. Just, just don't do it. So, uh, Lan kind of has Rand saddle up Bella, uh, he goes and he gets everything he needs. He puts it all on Bella. Bella's a little confused because when Rand rides him, it's usually bareback. She's not used to the saddle and all that straps and everything. Uh, Egwene gets into the saddle and since her uh, skirts aren't divided for riding, her her skirts go up and they show a good amount of her ankle. Oh wait, all the way up to the knee. Oh goodness, yeah, different times. <laughs> Remember the two Varen, two the two Varen, the Tavaren people. Uh, the two rivers people are a bit, <laughs> a bit prudish. Um, next, we actually get 
a genuinely sweet moment from Rand and Egwene, one we don't get very often. And he's kind of, he's, he's standing up there with her, and he, he helped her onto the horse, and he's like, I really don't think you should come. We're not joking. This is dangerous. This is problematic. We're not playing around here, please. But you're not going to change your mind, are you? So I promise I'll protect you. And she kind of reaches down and, like, strokes his hair, and she's like, we'll protect each other, Rand. That's what we'll do. Uh, but right now, you better look after getting on your horse, because everyone's ready to go but you. And it's a little embarrassing, a little comical, but it was this really nice, sweet moment between two characters who don't get a lot of sweet moments. Um, you, like, you know, you really wonder, why were they together? And then you see something like this, and you go, okay, cut away all the bullshit. They cared. That's what mattered. Um, probably had crushes on each other. They're they're both attractive people. Uh, they just hadn't found ones that made them even more excited yet. <laughs> uh, so Rand gets on gray. Uh, no, Rand gets on a gray stallion named Cloud, and he understands why his buddies didn't get on Cloud because it belonged to John Thane, and uh, the old Miller used to race the horses <laughs> uh, against merchants' horses. Uh, Cloud is very frisky, a little bit hard to control, and Rand's like, wow, man, like, Land must have shelled out a lot of money for him to buy this horse. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they're all, they're all starting to leave. Uh, they're kind of jumping at shadows. Uh, Egwene kind of comments that, wow, a field mice is going to run us up a tree. Because <laughs> uh, they're hearing all these sounds in the woods. And it's making them a little nervous. And Land's like, better it have been wolves. And Perrin's like, wolves? Why would we ever want wolves around? Yeah, Perrin, why would we want wolves? Uh, and uh, Land's like, because wolves don't like Trollocs, Blacksmith. If I'd heard wolves out there, I'd know there were no Trollocs out to get us. It's pretty cool. Uh, makes sense, too, from later in the story. Uh, everybody's riding out. They're not out of the sound yet. They're, they're, they're making their way slowly kind of through, taking their time. Everyone's trying to crowd out, crowd around land because they know he's the safest person to be around, but they can't crowd him. So they're kind of in a little, little bunch behind him. <laughs> uh, anyway, so they're sneaking out of town and they need to avoid patrols of two rivers men because after last night, they're all like, we're not going to get you snuck up on again. Not going to happen. So they pulled like, bits of armor and old rusty weapons out of their, you know, attics and cellars, and they're walking around trying to keep watch, and they're doing all right, but, you know, lands like two Duval Trollocs would have them for dinner, but they have eyes and ears, you know, so, like, it's this, it's this cool little bit of them sneaking through the town, avoiding the patrols, uh, they actually cross through the Wine Spring uh, River, the little stream, uh, it's called, but like, you know, in town, around that town area, it's just a little stream. And uh, it's deep enough that, you know, their soles of their boots are getting wet as they're traveling through on horseback. It's kind of crazy. I, I Like, he, they really need to kind of take this, like, abstract route around and through town and a little bit into the woods just to avoid all the patrols and get out. But they're finally getting there, and Rand's already homesick. <laughs> you know, he's looking at the houses, and the countryside, and then the sky. Is there any more, any sky more beautiful in the world than the Two River Sky? And they have like, oh, it's the stars are brilliant, and the moon is full and gorgeous, and 
Wait, what's that in the sky? Uh, is that a bat? Oh, that's a big bat. Oh, that's a really big bat. That's kind of scary. And, like, you know, Rand notices he stopped moving because he's staring up at this thing. And he's like, oh, that's, is that as big as a person? Like, oh, wait a second. That is, um, <laughs> Land comes back. He's like, why are you just standing here looking at the sky, sheep herder? Are you stupid? And he's like, well, I just saw this, like, man-sized bat. It's weird. It like I'm joke. Like this is this is wrong, right? Like I, I'm imagining things, and Land's like, "Shit, Drakkar." <laughs> and the two rivers folk are like, "What, Drakkar? What the hell is that?" But Tom's like, "Oh God, damn it!" <laughs> like he doesn't do that, but it describes Tom like groaning audibly. <laughs> now we don't actually get what a Drakkar is yet. We only know it's a shadow spawn that flies in the sky. And we get Tom's whole, in the age of legends, during the war of power, things worse than Trollocs were made. You know, bringing this really sharp gaze from Moraine, you know, like, is this an angry look? Or is this a kind of appraising look? Like, oh, don't talk about things that are going to scare them, Gleeman. We got to keep them together. Shush! Or was it, oh, the Gleeman knows about Drakkar too. Am I liking this guy, or am I going to have to kill him later? <laughs> oh, have Lan kill him later. You know what I mean. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I like it. So, yeah, there's a Drakkar flying through the air. It's obviously kind of a Shadow Spawn scout. And if that's the case, the Merdral already knows where they are. Uh, so we get, like, awesome line number three from Lan. And uh, it's like, well, we got to go. We got to go. Keep up with me. Uh, you heard the clip. For your lives, follow me. Follow, no, for your lives, follow my lead. Keep up and keep together. And then he gallops off into the pursuing chase of the next chapter. Alright, guys. Uh, I'm sorry if that was a little rambly. I I'm trying to change my style a little bit. Uh, make it more focused. I still rambled forever. <laughs> but whatever. Um... Uh, I'm enjoying talking about it. I hope you're enjoying listening to it. Uh, overall, this chapter was pretty good. It was the formation of that original group that's like 100% on Rand's side. You know what I mean? We've got the Moraine, the advisor, Lan, the teacher of like how to be a man, you know? Uh, getting him sword ready, getting him leadership ready, you know? Getting all those Shinaran, you know, borderland sayings into his head. Life is lighter, uh, death is lighter than a feather, duty heavier than a mountain. Lan's gonna be that mentor that teaches him how to stand strong. You got Matt to be his uh, general and horn sounder, you know? He's the bannerman he's out there yelling he's not not the bannerman he's the he's, he's the general and tactician you've got uh perrin the bannerman and the gatherer of men you know think of how many men he gathers for the cause technically uh then you've got Egwene, the sometimes advisor slash co-leader of the other side you know, you're going to have Nynaeve coming in soon, the only person towards the end. He trusts to heal him with the power, uh, like, without question. You know, I, I still count Nynaeve as part of that fellowship, but she's not there yet. She'll be there in a few chapters, so it, it was a lot of fun. We kind of understood a little bit better why Rand and Egwene were a thing. They cared for each other. They were right for each other, but I still think they, they were right for each other in the Emmons field, but I still think that, uh, really they were also put together to show the contrast. They are two sides of the same coin. 
great leaders and powerful channelers that will lead the opposite sides of the one power. You know what I mean? Uh, it's it's very cool. Lan was MVP for sure. You know, belting all these ridiculously cool lines. Uh, you notice that when I'm like quoting him, I was getting a deeper voice because Lan is awesome and he has to be taken seriously. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Tom almost got killed. Luckily, he didn't because that would have screwed a lot of things up. And Egwene has a prize for Tarvalin. <laughs> uh, you know, I really. I don't know. She doesn't spend a lot of time in the tower, but you got to think like, ooh, Sawada's going to be so happy about this. <laughs> oh, that's that's everything for this chapter. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, if you would like to send me in a spoiler warning with you kind of acting as a forsaken, I think that'd be really fun. Uh, no pressure at all. I just, I think it would be really cool. And uh, I'm not the best at voices. Um, and especially if, like, you know, a female listener sent in a Lanfear or a Mogidian or a Semirog or, you know, that would be really cool stuff. I would love to put that in here um, as that spoiler warning. Uh, also, if you guys, are, any of you are artists, I don't think there's enough Wheel of Time fan art in the world. Send one of those to me. You're signing on it, you know. I want to give you a shout out for how awesome you are. My stick figures look badly drawn okay uh i would just love to see more wheel of time fan art uh so yeah that's it uh anything else you have to say to me put it in either the comments below uh if you're on youtube or email me at gleamanradio at gmail.com i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day wherever you are morning afternoon or evening peace out take care bye